It is a picture-perfect day here in South Florida, Miami, South Beach, but it's Hard Rock Stadium, today the epicenter of college football, where we crown a new champion. After a season where opponents on the field were just half the battle, Alabama, Ohio State, two teams, one champion. Ohio State and Alabama. Two of the best. They bring nobility, they bring dignity, they bring honor, and they bring excitement. We got an opportunity to maybe write one of the best stories ever in college football history. He's got a touchdown! Hurling is Harris! Avante Smith, here we go! The guy you're going to play against may be the best guy you played against all year. This is a feeling like no other. I'm happy. It really don't matter what we play, it's just find the ball. I'm ready. You don't typically get an opportunity to have a second chance. You can't miss the second time. Welcome to College Football Live, built by the Home Depot. Hey, 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 what do you know? We made it, finally. It is the culmination of a college football season unlike any we've ever seen before. We're so happy to be here in Miami, Florida. I'm Wendy Nix with David Pollock, Joey Galloway, we know him. <gasps> Jesse Palmer is here. Greg McElroy will join us shortly. And look, it is finally game day. There was a time when we weren't sure we'd get here. In but fact, here. we did. But we're here, and yeah. that is a huge but. Happy to be here. Uh, let's take a look first at first things first at how things stack up. Two storied programs, of course. There are two teams left. It's Alabama and Ohio State, two of the top programs in college football. They've combined for 18 national titles in the AP poll era. Of course, five of those belonging to Nick Saban. But it's more than just the coaches. There will be plenty of star power on the field tonight between the Tide and the Buckeyes in total 15 players in Todd McShay's top 100 NFL draft rankings. Two of those players, by the way, perhaps you've heard of them, Matt Jones and Justin Fields, have been near perfect under center. These two quarterbacks, a combined 35 and 2 as starters in their careers. They will likely take center stage tonight, and we'll talk more about what they may mean to their respective teams. But first, we're going to go straight down the line here. Jesse, I'll start with you. Uh, your initial thoughts on this game tonight. If you like scoring points, you're going to like this game. we got two prolific offenses. Alabama has been sensational. Tons of talent at the skill positions. Steve Sarkeesian, one of the best offensive minds in college football, dialing up plays. There is not a blueprint yet to stop this offense. People have tried a lot of different schemes. No one's had the answers. They've been prolific. And then Ohio State, they're averaging 43 a game as well. Justin Fields coming off the best game he's ever had, in my opinion, throwing it against Clemson. But they've also got the run game going with Trey Sermon these last three games. They're averaging 43 a game. So, Joey, this really could come down to which team has the ball last. Yeah, excited to finally get here. Uh, didn't <laughs> feel like we were going to get to this point at, at different times of this season, but we are finally here, and, and it is game day. Uh, and, and it's interesting because it felt like Alabama was by far the best team all season long up until the semifinal and, and then when Ohio State came out and played their best game of the season against Clemson. Now all of a sudden we got a ball game. It, it felt like, okay, who's Alabama going to blow out? Now, with the way Ohio State is playing, uh, the way Trey Sermon is running the football, a mm. little different feel to this game. It feels like, like you said, whoever has the ball last actually has a chance to win this game. Well, and you think about these two programs and the GOAT is coaching on one side, going for another national title and kind of cement his legacy. And, and by the way, past Paul Bear Bryant. And then 
Ryan Day. I mean, you can't underestimate or can't undersell what he's done since he took over for Urban Meyer. And, and by the way, it wasn't just last year when he was the first-time head coach. Since he became OC, this offense has continued to climb, climb, climb. And now it's on that level where Jesse's talking about where it's kind of like playing Madden and you put it on exhibition mode where nobody on defense can catch or tackle. It's beautiful. That's what you're going to see tonight. <laughs> well, and you know what? The beauty about tonight also, and Joey, you said it, at times it felt like we wouldn't get here. You know, so much is different in the world. There's so many intangibles. There's so many things you have to deal with. But I think what you have to love about tonight is when they do take that field, it really is football. It feels like a game. Mm. It becomes about X's and O's after a season where they've had to battle all kind of other things. Uh, and again, you said, who doesn't like points? If you like points, you'll like this game. Well, I mean, I'm not I sure. don't technically, I mean, well, yeah, well, yeah, fair. the world I, we live in. Always the contrarian. There's, there's no question about that. Uh, listen, we've got you covered from every angle. We also have reporters embedded with both teams, and we'll start with Allison Williams and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Wendy, nine months ago, Alabama head coach Nick Saban told his team, this season will be different than any other, and whichever team handles the challenges the best will have the most success. Alabama has taken every challenge, disruption, and opponent they faced in 2020 and won. Perhaps that's why Nick Saban says he loves this team so much. They've done it all without issue or complaint. And there's nothing he would love more than to see them celebrating as national champions. To do that, he wants his team to play without anxiety, to have confidence. He said it's the biggest game, but it comes down to the simplest things, knowing what to do and doing what you know. Just execute and do your job. We'll have to see if Alabama receiver Jalen Waddell is able to play in this title game. He fractured his ankle at the end of October and is well ahead of schedule and has been cleared medically. But it's up to Waddell if he feels confident and comfortable enough to play and contribute tonight against the Buckeyes. For more on Ohio State, here's Marty Smith. Thank you, Allison. The Buckeyes won't be at full strength this evening as they take on the Tide in the national championship. We saw last week when running back Mayan Williams tweeted that he's heartbroken, that he's not here in Miami and able to participate in this national championship game. So that does impact the depth at the running back position for Ohio State, were something to happen to starter Trey Sermon. But the real intrigue is the defensive line. Will Tommy Togiai play? Will Tyreek Smith play? We don't know that right now, and we won't know until about an hour before kickoff when the Buckeyes release their inactive list. Both of those players are integral to the success of that Ohio State defensive line that was dominant in the Sugar Bowl against Clemson. Adding intrigue to that is the fact that Smith tweeted earlier game day with one of those emojis where they're blowing the smoke out of the nose and a gorilla, and it was retweeted by Togiai, and he said, yes, sir, with a bunch of exclamation points. We'll keep an eye on that as the day develops. Now, then there's the situation with Justin Fields and that hit he took in the Sugar Bowl. What is his health status really? Well, watch this. This is Fields playing ping pong with his teammates, and look at the way he's moving. I think he looks pretty good. This is from Haskell Garrett's Instagram Live account. And so if you're judging by that, he looks like he's just fine. And by the way, there's a couple of U.S. table tennis tryouts coming up in Ohio and in Georgia. Never know. Maybe we have a future Olympian. Wendy? It's a pass rush. Marty, thank you. You never know, but he's got something else to do first coming up. Alabama's offense, as we talked about, scores early and often, but it does not mean they can't be stopped. The question is, how? Well, we'll give it our best shot. 
And after a season where winning on the field was just a small part of what they had to tackle, Nick Saban and Ryan Day sit down with our own Chris Fowler to explain why tonight means even more than it might have before. College Football Live, live from Miami, continues after this. College Football Live is built by the Home Depot. How doers get more done. and certainly not today. Beautiful South Beach, Miami, Florida. And we are moving closer and closer to the culmination of a season we never saw coming. But it does end tonight with Alabama or Ohio State as college football's new national champions. For the Ohio State defensive coaches, this trip south to Miami is far from a vacation. I mean, how are they supposed to stop these guys? They're as flashy as the Ferraris on South Beach, and every bit as high octane as that coffee they serve down a little Havana. Maybe those Buckeye coaches should grab a couple extra cups of that Joe for their late night film sessions. Of course, stopping this Alabama offense, easier said than done. The Crimson Tide are second in FBS in points per game this season. First, in total QBR. So where can Ohio State turn the tide, if you will? Perhaps up front. The Buckeyes defense ranks fourth in presser percentage this year and 11th in yards per carry allowed. Here's some thoughts. It's really just a full defense. The players are there and they make plays. You know, it's going to be a great battle up front. They have a great defensive line, great linebackers and great DBs. They're very active up front. Uh, they're very athletic. They've got some quickness, but they play with some explosive power. Another big tackle for loss. They're a big play offense and they can score anytime, anywhere. Caught for another touchdown by Devontae Smith. They really have no weaknesses. Uh, really strong up front, dynamic on the perimeter, quarterbacks playing at a high level. He can make every throw and he has weapons all over the place. Have our work cut out for us, but I'm confident that we'll be ready. That is true. And Joey, clearly, you don't have to look much past the numbers to see that Alabama's offense is efficient. It's effective. They do it often. But what makes it lethal? Mac Jones and where he delivers the football. I always tell Palmer, we're in studio, how he gives me the ball is important on what I can do with it. Yeah. And so when you watch Mac Jones and the way he delivers the ball to his receiver, not just the timing, but the location of the ball. Always depends on what a receiver can do after he after he makes a catch. If he has to go up high to get it, then he's not going to get yak after that. We watch these guys play all season long, and Matt Jones throws these guys open. And where he gives them the ball and the location depends on why Devontae Smith is so good once he gets the ball in his hands, making guys miss because he's running full speed because he's been that good. Matt Jones has been fun to watch. A lot of questions come to this season. Uh, was Matt Jones good enough to step in after Tua? And he's done nothing but <laughs> – <laughs> They have about that for three straight weeks. It's crazy how good he's been. We were, I mean, if you told us this before the season, you'd be surprised at Mac Jones at and what level. he does. Heck sure. yeah. Like, 
it's he's he's bordering now the best season ever in history, like of being that efficient. And, and what Joey said, I think, is very important. He he hits guys in strides. Most of their routes, most of their combinations, they don't throw the ball to little curls. They don't throw these little. They don't stop the receivers. They hit them on the run 80% of the time, so they can keep going and keep making big plays. So there is no ingredient to stopping it. I haven't seen it. Now you talked about the Buckeyes' defensive line and stopping the rush. Let's see if they can get in his face from the inside, like right there, make him get off the spot, move a little bit, because he's not a dynamic runner by any stretch of the imagination. Well, and no quarterback, no matter who you are, wants you in your face. Uh, right. that, that's not, not comfortable. Listen, hesitate to do this. No, it's not going to be popular up here, but we should go to our quarterbacks. Uh, that can't move, by the way. You're right. Those two, <laughs> okay. Mac Jones is over there. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I tried. Uh, listen, we'll hand it over to Jesse and Greg McElroy, who joins us now for the quarterback perspective. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out why Galloway needs us to be perfectly accurate to create after the catch. Galloway also has to understand <laughs> that you're not always open. Yeah, that's a fair <laughs> point. <laughs> Two very accurate okay. assessments there. Look, we all know that Bama has incredible personnel, but it's not always about the Jimmys and the Joes. It's also about the X yeah, and the O's. And Steve Sarkeesian, he's one of the best offensive minds in college football, and he's so creative how he dials things up. To me, Greg, he's the best in the country at using motion to his advantage, and he can use it for a variety of ways. It creates good matchups for him. You can dictate coverage, and you can also focus and get the defense to lose eye discipline. Here against Notre Dame, you saw it all unfold. Zone coverage, third and one. Devontae Smith in motion. No one following him. They're going to throw him a quick screen. Mac Jones knows he's got two blockers out in front. Because it's not man coverage, the closest defender to him is 12 yards away. And for Devontae Smith, that's just too much. So using motion to create a good matchup. Two, use it to dictate coverage. Here's an empty set. Notre Dame in a two-height zone look. Now you motion two tight ends and the running back in the backfield, they check out now to press man coverage. You've got a corner on Devontae Smith in the slot, loaded box with eight guys, nobody in the middle of the field. Alabama loves the RPO. It's a great route, and this is just pitch and catch too easy. It's an explosive play for a touchdown. And finally, using it to create some eye candy. you got a receiver in motion. He's running a swing route. Safeties are going to rock and roll. They're also faking a handoff, so all that motion from Notre Dame defensively is going to the left of the formation. Now you sneak John Mechie back across it against the grain on a slant. It's another explosive play. And Greg, we've we've been lucky to play for some really good play callers. <laughs> they all just have a good rhythm and a flow and they have a knack for setting things up and they have great timing. Sark certainly has all of that but I think the thing he does better than anybody he puts good players in a position to be successful. Yeah. So I think when you combine his play calling with all that first round talent, all the weapons they have, that's really why this offense is, is unstoppable as it is. Yeah, it really. Jury's out, by the way, on Spurrier as a play caller. I'm not 100% wow. sold Wow. Just kidding. No, he's amazing. Of course, yes. Yeah, he's been amazing with his motions, with how creative he is, how he makes sure that his guys get touches. But the quarterback is ultimately who's driving the ship. And Mac Jones has been off the charts good all season long, not just with ball placement, but making great decisions and doing so in a really timely manner. Everyone talks about how great that offensive line is. Yeah, because he gets the ball out on time. If he's sitting there holding it for four, five, six seconds, that offensive line wouldn't be really considered right. the best in college football. Mm -hmm. So it is so much about his personnel, his weapons, but the quarterback, Mac Jones, like they talked about a second ago, he filled some pretty massive shoes. Yep. And guess what? Whoever's going to fill the shoes of Mac Jones, they might be even bigger than the shoes left behind by Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungabalo and all the great quarterbacks they've had. In Bryce Young's pretty good. He looks like he has some big feet. Hopefully <laughs> he, he can fill those in. Amazing <laughs> to think, though, Bama lost four of the top 15 picks in last year's right. draft. They're better offensively 
actually this year. They're better actually than LSU was last season, Wendy. It's amazing. So as quarterbacks now, we're done carrying everybody like we always do. Oh. Let's send it back <laughs> to you. Goodness. And you can try and explain to us how Ohio State's going to slow this Bama offense. Right. Well, listen. <laughs> Thank you, as always. We appreciate you carrying the load. Listen, I will say this. Everything you said is true. All of what we have described. But look, there's a reason they play the game, right? right. I mean, not, you don't just, you're not going to hand it to Alabama. This can be done. It's going to take a lot of execution and a really solid game plan. I don't have the answer. I'm hoping my friend over here, David Pollock, has the answer. Uh, but in all seriousness, how do you spell relief as this defense if you're going to slow down Alabama? Well, I don't think anybody knows the answer yet to stopping them, but we could also say the same thing about Ohio State. Ohio State's offense sure. with Alave and all those weapons and sermons, so they've been balling out too. But listen, Ohio State's defensive line gives them a chance. If you've watched them, they're, they're enormous. They're physical. They're hyperactive. Last week uh, against Trevor Lawrence, it was a great. It was 17 pressures by seven different guys. So different guys rotating through, different guys from end going to inside, and um, you know doing a great job. And Tyreek Smith was pressuring the quarterback last week like crazy. So I think that these guys give them a chance. If I look at Alabama, where they're the weakest, it's inside. It's center guard now that now that the Remington Award winner is out. So I think, you know, Landon Dickerson not being in there, Chris Owens being in there instead, there is a weakness or a, a more potential weakness than there used to be. And the Ohio State defense, their strength is at the defensive tackle spot. So take advantage. Yeah, I think I agree with you. They have to do what they did last week against Clemson. they got to get pressure on the quarterback. We've not seen Mac Jones pressured yet this season. He always looks comfortable in the pocket, does a nice job of getting the ball out. But against Clemson, the defensive line was – the key for their defense and their ability to get pressure on the quarterback. Early on, they gave a lot of blitz looks, and you could see the effect it had on Trevor Lawrence and his comfortability in the game. So you see it early. They bring a safety in Proctor. They send a linebacker up the middle, and they don't let Trevor Lawrence get comfortable. You watch him throw this ball as he's falling backwards. It's offline. Should and, make and, that and, and, Exactly. In any game, when you get a quarterback throwing balls like this, now they bring a, a linebacker blitz, and you'll see there's a tight end wide open. Trevor Lawrence normally makes this play, but once the pressure gets to him and a guy is hitting him, and all of a sudden he's seen his linebacker in front of him, again, falling backwards, he misses the throw to a wide open tight end. That would have been a big play. And then later on, they start to back off and just let their front four do the work. And when these guys get a lead, they can just pin their ears back and get after a quarterback, and you'll watch the effect again. It's because of the early pressure. Now Trevor Lawrence is assuming that blitzes are coming. This is a third and four. Gets the ball out before ETN is even looking. When he had two receivers sitting for an easy first down, but he didn't feel comfortable in the pocket to wait on these guys to get open. With early good reason. On, exactly. <laughs> early on, I'm expecting Ohio State to blitz. Yeah. Somebody has to get some hits on Mac Jones to see if he can handle a little pressure and operate this off. Well, the problem is when you blitz, you leave yourself uncovered in the back end. And you got to go. Well, it's I hear you. Right? But I, I, I hear you, and, and listen, I, here's what's frustrating. They, they have the RPO game. that they, they throw it so quick, you can't pressure Mac Jones. And so to take away the RPO game, i got to play man, i got to play inside leverage. Well, now where am I vulnerable? I'm vulnerable deep. So it's annoying as crud, Wendy. Like there, there's, no, there's, no rhymer, there's no way to slow this down yet that I've seen unless you just absolutely murder them in the defensive tackle spot right there in the middle. That's the only shot they got. It's a tricky proposition. Look, I don't think stopping them is the answer. It's been don't break, right? I mean, you're, they're going like, to take what they give you yeah. or, score, or keep <laughs> up. Just keep keep up. up the pace. And then to your point where you started, if you like points or that was just – I'm confused. That was Jesse. Jesse. We look alike. You know, my you hair do. is the same you, you, style. They're both wearing blue. It's you understandable. Really do. <laughs> All right, listen. Uh, much more to come here from Miami, Alabama, and Ohio State.
State, by the way, ranked first and second in offensive efficiency, will tell you the one thing Justin Fields must do offensively to be successful tonight. Let's not forget about the Buckeyes quarterback. We'll talk about Justin when we come back. They're calling me the greatest, the best that ever did it. Everybody throw your hands up. Fields, come for a touchdown! Stand up, if you feel like you might be the greatest. They're calling me the greatest. You're watching College Football Live, built by the Home Depot. Six hours to the college football playoff national championship game on ESPN. Still to come from Miami, the keys for both teams tonight. Ohio State pulls off the upset if they do what? We'll fill in the blanks. And Chris Fowler sits down with both head coaches after what both agree has been among the most challenging seasons of their respective careers, and understandably so. And how about this? Newborns at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center are suiting up in style for tonight's game. They all have beat Alabama 2021 sleep sacks. How much cuteness is that? Uh, And with good reason, given what's at stake tonight, here's how we ultimately got here. The Big Ten becomes the first Power Five conference to postpone the fall season. We owe it to these kids to exhaust every single option we possibly can. My biggest message to them, get them to realize how bad our players want to play. Breaking news into SportsCenter, Big Ten football is back. Field sends it deep down the field for Wilson. Got it. Touchdown. Spins and gets to the end zone. This is why you came to Ohio State. Big games like this. The whole nation will be watching. Jump ball, catch made, touchdown! Impressive from start to finish by Ohio State. My main goal is to win every game and win the national championship. COVID-19 testing within the Buckeyes program reveals more positive tests. Head coach Ryan Day already testing positive. Two of the last three weeks have been canceled, so it's been an emotional roller coaster. They have to play six games in order to compete in the Big Ten championship game. Not the news that Ohio State wanted. Michigan has canceled its game against Ohio State. If we don't quite get the games we need to get into the championship game, then I think that needs to be looked at hard. The Big Ten Conference has officially voted to eliminate the minimum games requirement to play in the conference title game. The Buckeyes do indeed maintain their hopes of a conference championship. And Sermon is going to take it into the end zone for a touchdown. Ohio State wins their 39th Big Ten Championship. More than anything, our, our team showed, you know, fight. And that's been our, our motto the whole year. This is one of my favorite teams I've ever been around. If we had to play one game against anybody in the country, I'll take the Ohio State Buckeyes. At number three, Ohio State. For the second straight year, Clemson and Ohio State in a semifinal. Fields does have time, and now takes off, makes a cut, takes a hard hit by Skowski, and Fields is still down. I bet he's not pain-free at the moment, but he's not going to let that stop him. Fields on the run, coming back, touchdown! Fields is delivering a performance that's going to live forever in Ohio State history. Everything we've been through this year, to come out and play the way we played. I don't know what to say about this group. Unbelievable. 
Ohio State's eighth game, of course, is tonight. And the Buckeyes could be could tie Minnesota for the fewest games played by a national champion in the AP poll era. That goes back to 1936, by the way. The Golden Gophers won the title in 36, 1940, and 1941 with just eight games played. The Buckeyes look to do the same tonight in a season that has certainly been different than any we expected or any we've seen before. Mark Sanchez joins the party now. He's on the West Coast. And, Mark, listen, uh, we said this before, as so often is the case, it, it often starts and ends with the quarterback play. And we haven't talked yet about Justin Fields. So what does he have to do tonight to be successful? Most importantly, ride that momentum that he had last game in the Sugar Bowl and play within himself. When you watch this tape that I brought up here, this thing, it's so important for him not to get into the hero ball where he has to press like he's trying to win a Heisman Trophy, like he's trying to impress NFL scouts. Just stay within the system because their system is plenty explosive. These are the plays he's got to avoid. When he feels pressure in the middle and they have a shot play call, they're going to roll right. He's going to set up and try and throw back to the left side of the field. They got it covered. They have him dead to rights in the backfield. And when you're in a collapsed pocket, there's defenders draped all over you, and you're trying to throw, thread the ball through the eye of a needle in the middle of a defensive team meeting, it can't happen. These are the plays that he needs to eliminate, and this is what made people scared last time he went out to play in the Sugar Bowl. When he should throw balls away, when there's clear lanes for him to get rid of the ball, this can't happen because that'll give an Alabama team the opportunity to hurt him. And this is the only questionable ball that he threw in that Sugar Bowl. Clearly, these, this touchdown pass is taken away. This thing's either thrown underneath or you take the sack and line up for a field goal and take the points. But whatever you do, you don't give them a chance to intercept that football. If he can avoid those plays and avoid hero ball, this kid goes off tonight and Ohio State could win it. Joey, agree? I do. <laughs> but what? With, it becomes with an tough. Asterisk. It becomes tough. And we watched it in the semi against Notre Dame. It's tough to be patient when the other team is scoring points. And so if Alabama is getting seven points and you're being patient and you punt the ball away and they're going to get another seven points and you're being patient, all of a sudden you're down like Notre Dame was down. And what do you do from a play calling standpoint? What do you do from a game plan standpoint? You absolutely want to run the ball. You want to be careful with the ball. But the pressure that comes from the other sideline, when you're watching an Alabama offense go get points, you feel like we got to score points or we have no shot in this game. If their defense comes Ooh. out, gets some stops in this game, and keeps them in it, then Justin Fields can be patient. Yeah. If they don't and you get behind, I don't know how patient you can be. Well, you make a good point, uh, Joey. David, how do, you, how do you guard against that impatience, that human nature that's they scored, I got to score, and I got to do it quickly? Because Mark's right, though. That could get you into trouble. Oh, uh, Of course it can. But also, when, when you know you got Ryan Day, you go, I'm just going to listen to that dude because he dials it up. And those tapes Mark showed you, a lot of underneath stuff is always open. Like, it's, it's, it's easy to do. So just take that stuff. Take the underneath stuff. It's okay. Do I want to take shots down the field with Alave? Absolutely. He's one of the best in the business. But to move the sticks and get first downs, last, last game, first, the, the first scoring drive for Ohio State, he takes a check down to Sermon. Next play, they come up to the uh, line of scrimmage really quickly. They run for a touchdown. Like, you can go tick for tack still being patient. You just don't have to force the ball in the tight windows. I wonder, too, because I will say this. Once Justin got dinged, he played quarterback. 
he sat back there more, read defenses more. He can't run it as much. I don't think he'll run it as much in this game either. And just, okay, soon, think it off. Instead of, I know I'm a freak, I'm 6'3", I'm 230, and I can break tackles and make things happen. Which he can. But he, he can. But, yeah. but to your point, Mark, not necessarily the, the smart play in this one, certainly not early on. No doubt, and there's nothing wrong. Pollock nailed it right at the end, too. We watched this game and talked about it the day after. He had to play quarterback, and sometimes playing quarterback is understanding, hey, man, I got to say, uncle, this play is no good. I can dump it down to Trey Sermon, and we're supposed to get three yards where he catches the ball, but this guy's going to break three or four tackles. You might get 20 yards, so it's okay to dump that ball down, throw it away, get back to the line of scrimmage, but he's going to be forced to do that, especially with his injury, and Pollock nailed it. I, I think it's one of Mac Jones's biggest strengths. That's what he does. He, he will throw the ball to 22 in a heartbeat that right in front and just let him do his thing and get a first down and move the sticks. Yeah, take what take what they give you, huh. at, at least early. Don't give him too much credit. <laughs> Careful. How many times you got to say, Pollock? Now, simmer down. Great job, Sanchez. Yeah, You're listen, killing it, bro. Uh, Fields should have his opportunities to make plays tonight, though. Having said all of that, Alabama defense ranks 122nd out of 127 FBS teams in total QBR allowed. How about that Ohio State ground game? They're racking up over six yards per carry. That's pretty good. And inside the college football playoff on ESPN Plus. We take viewers behind the scenes as Alabama and Ohio State battle through what we've already said and certainly was an unprecedented season to get here. Here's head coaches Nick Saban and Ryan Day preparing their teams for tonight's big game. What you guys have done here has been just amazing. And right now when you're in it, it's hard. You know, as you get older, you start to appreciate what you guys have been through. But eventually, this group, it'll be over with. We'll have to move on. And you'll be thinking back on these times. I promise you in about a year from now, wherever you are, you're going to be like, man, I wish I was back at Ohio State enjoying the brotherhood. So laugh with each other when you're around each other. Have fun with each other. That's what this time's all about. Stay focused on what you need to do to keep getting the results that we want. And you know it's going to be a grind. I And beat them in the fourth quarter. But you got to be able to play the next play and you can't get frustrated. All right, let's go. Everybody up here. Let's go. Team on three. One, two, three. Team. An all-new episode of Inside the College Football Playoff now streaming exclusively on ESPN Plus. The next and final episode debuts on ESPN Plus on January 14th. Now, before Ohio State and Alabama face each other for tonight's national championship, they faced off with our own Chris Fowler to talk about what a long, strange trip it has been. Well, gentlemen, you are coaches of the last two teams standing. Nick, what has been most gratifying about the journey to get to the ultimate game, given that everything that's gone into this season and this year? Well, I think, number one, the way the players have handled the disruptions has been the thing that I think has been the thing that I'm most proud of. I would say that, you know, in this profession, as, as players, as coaches, it's just, you know, we have such a routine. You know, you know where you're going to be almost every day out of the year. And we've been out of a routine now since March. And then constantly having the change, I think, has been one of the bigger challenges. A couple dozen FBS head coaches did get COVID this season. You two uh, are among them. Nick, you don't talk a lot about the burden and the, the extra uh, energy that goes into it, but it's been a season unlike any other for you as well. well. I don't think there's any question about that. But, you know, what we tried to do was keep things as normal as possible. Uh, but it was different. And... I hadn't missed a game for a long time, and I missed one this year. So that was 
you know, extremely difficult and extremely different for anything that I've had to experience. When it happened, to be honest, you feel shame, you feel embarrassment. I mean, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing for so many people who live and die by Ohio State football. Once that kind of happened, it was hard. And I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff and the leaders of this team to keep it moving forward. I try this every year at this interview. Usually the coaches are sitting next to each other with the trophy in between, and it's sometimes awkward. But Ryan, if you could uh, ask Nick one crucial question that you'd like to know about how the thing is going to unfold Monday night, what would that question to him be? How do you stop Devontae Smith and uh, the <laughs> offensive line and the quarterback and Najee Harris and everybody else on that offense because he goes against them every day in practice? Uh, if I had a chance to ask a question, I'd want to sit down and say, um, tell me how you do what you do, and maybe it would help us do something better so that we could get better in our program. Ryan, I know the goal was not to get here. The goal wasn't just to beat Clemson. What is the message to your guys who put together a complete performance like that, knowing that it's going to take another one of those to win on Monday? It's mental, it's physical, and it's emotional. And, uh, you know, against a really great opponent like this, if, if you're not ready in all three of those phases, then you're not going to be at max capacity. So to be in this spot is an honor. It's an honor to be at Ohio State. It's an honor to be playing against a team like Alabama going against Coach Saban and playing in a national championship. Congratulations to both outstanding coaches. Nick Saban's already a legend. His six national titles tied for most all-time, and at 69, I'm sure he loves that. He's looking to become the second oldest coach to win a title behind the 70-year-old Bobby Bowden in 1999. And on the other side, Ryan Day, just 41, looking to become just the seventh coach in the AP poll era to win a title in his first two seasons. Really remarkable on two, two very different fronts. And it, it's not surprising, as we say hello again to Greg McElroy, given the challenging year these two coaches have had, that they've talked about how it's been one of the most gratifying seasons. And that's before tonight's game is played, for obvious reasons. So having said that, Greg, and I'll start with you, who played for Saban, who's been at Alabama, what do you think tonight means to Coach Saban? Probably more than any other championship outside of potentially 2011. In 2011, there was a tornado that, that ran through Tuscaloosa, and that team became remarkably close because of the adversity that the community experienced. But I would say besides that one, I'm not sure there's been a closer team. Given what has been asked of these players on a weekly basis, having to test and having to, having to quarantine, having to stay within the confines of their facility without interacting at all with their families or with their friends. So I think the sacrifices that these players have made have forced the coaches to become really appreciative of what those players have done. And they, I think, have coached more for the players this year than probably any other year in their history. Yeah, I think across college football, um, a big thanks goes out to a lot of these people who of these coaches, not just Saban and Coach Day, who've had to do this, had to yeah. go through this process with these players and, and had to explain to them why they can't go home and be with their families, while also coaching them up to play football and telling them, like, this is about life. This is more important than football at times. So it's been impressive. Um, it seems like every two years we're having a conversation about uh, Saban's legacy. Right. And we have to then go <laughs> and he's say, back here. yeah, he's the greatest <laughs> ever. And it's like, you can't get 
more great than the greatest ever, but he continues to, to do this. But what Ryan Day has done at Ohio State uh, and, and be able to take over after a legend and the program continue uh, on an upward uh, trajectory and what they've been able to do. Uh, the recruiting has continued, if not gotten better. This team is now at this point in a season when it didn't look like the Big Ten was going to play football. And, and he's brought this team here. And I guess the most important thing that he's done so far is they're playing their best football at the end of the season yeah. when it matters most. To go to the Big Ten Championship game and win that game and then go into a game against Clemson that everyone assumed that Clemson was the best, the second best team in the country and then we're going to get Alabama Clemson again. And to go in and play the way that team did, they're playing their best football at this time of year. So impressed with what he's been able to do. It certainly looked like it in that game. Yes. I mean, it was almost over, Mark, before it started. Oh, no doubt. And they came out hot. I talked to Ryan Day right before that game, and he was like laser focused, just like laser eyes, just eye on the prize, and, and nothing could get in his way. I talked to him yesterday, and, you know, when you get to this certain point, when you're in this big game, he almost sounded just like you could hear the joy and elation in his voice, like they've gotten somewhere and a little bit of giddiness, but then he snapped right back into, hey, man, we got our work cut out for us. This is one of the best teams we're going to play. Everybody said that about Clemson, but this team is really the team. And then he reminded me that, you know, everybody talks about this Alabama defense like, well, they give up a lot of points. Look at the Ole Miss game. Look at this. Look at that. He goes, these guys still only average 15 points a game. They're only giving up about 15 points a game. So if anybody feels like a little too excited or a little too happy or giddy or something like that, we need to figure this out quick because these guys can play. So he's right back into that focus mode. And when he's like that, I mean, he's, you can't mess with that guy. He's on fire, so he's ready to dial him up. And then he said the most important thing is get Justin Fields off to a good start. When he starts four for four, five for five, the kid's on fire, and he just takes off from there. But you don't want to see him go one for six, one for five, something like that. Just give him a good stat line to start and let him ease into the game. Look, both these teams, of course, happy to be here given all they face. But the job's not done. It's yeah. not just to get here. And I want, I want to say one other thing. I said this last week, but, Joey, you both referenced it. You know, I think you got to tip your cap to these kids and what they were asked to do this yeah. season. Right. Okay, Because it did mean not seeing friends, not seeing family, not doing the sort of normal things you would do as a student athlete. They were asked to do that. They made the sacrifice, and they've done it. So I think they, too, deserve a big thank you. Again, though, the job not done. And for a second straight year, the newly minted Heisman Trophy winner. He's not done either. He'll play for college football's biggest prize, a deep dive into what makes Devontae Smith so hard to stop when we come back. Prepare to have all your senses stimulated along Kaye A day spent here means your appetites will be satisfied. And the Cuban spirit comes alive. It's a festival all the time. Music, food, and fun. That's how it's done in the heart of Little Havana. At any moment, on any play, he can turn the routine into the electric. Fire to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Devonta Smith is the Heisman winner. And Devontae Smith scores again. And he has 60 more minutes to dazzle our eyes and maybe bring the tie. Another national title. 
Lucky us, we get to see him play tonight. In Alabama's first five games, Devontae Smith placed the Tides receiving core along with Jalen Waddell as each went for 550 yards and four touchdowns. Oh, that's not all. But then Waddell went out with an injury, and then it's when it really got interesting. Smith took over in the seven games since. The senior has exploded for over 1,000 yards and 17 total touchdowns with one coming on a punt return. And as a result, Smith took home college football's most prestigious awards, including the Heisman, the Maxwell, the Bolitnikoff, along with AP Player of the Year honors. Oh, that's all. And guess what? He'll play for a national title tonight, the second time in the last four seasons that we've seen that happen. All right, let me ask it like this, Jesse. If you're describing Devontae Smith to someone who understands football but hasn't seen him play, how do you do it? He's a dream. Every quarterback dreams <laughs> of throwing to a guy like Devontae Smith because as quarterbacks, he makes us look good. And yes, he's fast, and yes, he can catch, and he's dangerous after you know after he has the ball in his hands. But quarterbacks like a sure thing. We want to throw to receivers that are where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. Devontae Smith's route running is second to none. He does a great job on his stems, and I love that he doesn't peek and telegraph where he's going to the defense. It helps him create separation. Secondly, he comes back to the football. It's his or nobody's, and therefore he protects us as QBs. When you're throwing to Devontae Smith, your completion percentage goes up, your interception percentage goes down, so you want to feed him. And Mark, the only knock I might have on Devontae Smith is that he's not, I don't know, 6'5", 230, yeah. 6'1", 175. <laughs> but personally, I don't care. I'm throwing to this guy. I would force feed him based what, on all the things he does. What is wrong with 6'1", 175? Not one thing. <laughs> well, Galloway's like 5'11". I mean, Galloway's yeah. like 5'11". Yeah. Oh, people best, think about a 6'4", guys. He couldn't ride the rides at Disney. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, so he's <laughs> He's got a, he's so smooth in his route running, and you talked about how speedy he is, Jesse, but he runs that fast through the different cuts, and he sets up his routes all the same. He flies off the ball. Everything looks like a go route, and then he turns you around. He spins you like a top when he runs his double moves, and then exactly what you said, Jesse, he's not 6'5", he's not Megatron or one of these guys. What he does is he has to be crafty, but he also has 24 targets in the red zone. That tells you what kind of receiver he is, especially because he can't just go win jump balls all the time. He has to run perfect routes, back pylon, front pylon, back end line, front end line. It doesn't matter. This guy's going to get open. He's going to attack your leverage, and they love him. Sark says he puts in so much work making his routes look the same, so when he comes up on a double move, he leaves those defenders in the dust. He's not 6'4". You quarterbacks amaze me. You don't want to do any work. You guys just want to throw it up, let these 6'4 guys go get it. Put it on some of the smaller guys and let us do the work. Someone's the thing about watching Devontae Smith play is wherever he gets the ball, he can score. And that makes it a lot easier yeah. for a quarterback, knowing that I don't have to throw a deep ball for Devontae Smith to score a touchdown. I can throw a swing route. I can throw a hitch. I can throw a curl, something short. And he has the ability to take it all the way. And so I used to always tell my quarterbacks, hey, just get me the ball and let me do the rest of the work, and you're going to still get the stats. Shocking. You know, because you, you quarterbacks will get to the end of the game, and you'll have like 400 yards passing, but you only actually threw the ball for like 50 yards, and then the receiver did the rest of the work oh, and like God. ran it in. Yeah. But every time he touches the ball, it's like you're holding your breath because something exciting is about to happen. That doesn't matter if it's on the offense or the punt return. He changes the game, and defensive coordinators have to find a way to slow him down. 
Mark, you mentioned it. When he gets the ball, he's full speed. He's cutting full speed. And the only way to stop a receiver like that is somehow make him slow down so that you can make him catch the ball in a stay still position. And then you have a chance to get him. But you better get him quickly. Talk but about I, keeping coordinators up at night. Yeah, I'll tell you. What I love is the blend. So, yeah, okay, 6'5", 220, that's fine. He, he doesn't move like a guy like that either, though, because some of those guys are big and lumbering and possession guys, frankly, exactly. a lot of times. So exactly. what I like is that he's a blend between Deshaun Jackson and the speed and the vertical threat and Marvin Harrison, who is a quarterback's best friend that will always create separation with a refined route, and he knows exactly where he's supposed to be, and he always gets there. So I think the blend of the two and the fact that Mac Jones trusts him without any doubt whatsoever. He throws it where it's supposed to be, and he trusts his guy to go get it. It's been remarkable to watch his development over the Greg, years. Greg spoiled because he threw to Julio Jones. You think? I mean, yeah. yeah that he was out. pretty that good. That usually that works out pretty, pretty good. good. That must have been nice. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. the worst. It, I, I can imagine that it was not. Listen, we referenced when we talked about Smith the fact that he really took over when Jalen Waddle yeah. went out. He hasn't played since that October 24th game against Tennessee when he broke his ankle. So a game-time decision, obviously right. well on fast, the fast track, I think, is the, is the way time. we should put it. Uh, it. If he does play, what kind of factor can, can he be tonight? So here's the timeline. He's 79 days removed from having broken the leg. He's 78 days removed from surgery. We saw Terrell Owens return from a similar injury in 49 days. That's 30 more days. And Terrell Owens played 62 of 72 snaps in the Super Bowl on seven weeks from the recovery. However, at that point, Terrell Owens was already a multi-multi-millionaire. He already had a clear <laughs> and established career. Jalen Waddle's just getting started. So I would ask the question, if I were Jalen Waddle or if I were advising Jalen Waddle, I'd say, Jalen, can it get worse if you injure it again? And are you close to 100%? Because if you're not at 100%, Slade Bolden and John Mechie and the other talented receivers that we've recruited over the last few years, they can play actually at a higher level than you can at 85%. So it's going to be fascinating to watch him in the pregame. Does he have limitations? And when he's cutting off that right foot, can he do so with the same explosiveness that he did prior to the injury? Listen, I don't know if he plays, guys. All I'm saying is he's caught 17 touchdowns at Alabama, 757 yards on those 17 catches, 44.5 yards per catch on those touchdowns. If he plays, look out. If he doesn't, best of luck to him at the next level. I would say this. I mean, you got to remember when he was healthy, I think he was the most explosive player in the country. They, tell you, they talk about speed kills. Yeah. He got clocked at a 4-3-7 40-yard dash. So whether he was catching cool. a bubble screen or he was catching a double move, he was a threat to score every time he had the ball in his hands. And Sark did a good job moving him around. In the slot, outside, you saw him in the backfield taking handoffs. Even if he's not 100% in this game, though, I do think he can have an impact if he plays as a decoy. And we saw LSU do that with Clyde edwards Lair last year in the semifinal against Oklahoma. You know, if you can use number 17 to get the defense his focus away from Devontae Smith or Najee Harris, that still is very useful to Alabama tonight. So whether or not he's 100%, if he plays, I think he has an impact in the game. Receivers don't want to hear that decoy stuff. You know, if, if this guy's going to go out there on, on an ankle that has been injured and play in this game, he's coming in to play, coming in to be a part of the offense, coming in to do what he's done in the past. We don't want to go out there and just to be a decoy in any, in any offense. I agree with you on if he's not 100% and ready to go, 
he shouldn't play in this game. This this is a young man that hasn't made that Terrell Owens money yet. And, and his career is ahead of him. And so in this game, we'll see. Because when you have this kind of injury and you don't get a chance to play football, practice is one thing. Taking hits, getting tackled, actually making defenders miss is a completely different thing. And if he goes into this game and he's not 100%, he's risking getting hurt, not just the ankle, but somewhere else on his body. Yeah. Because now you're not out there doing what you know how to do things in football. I hope he plays. I hope he's 100%. But if he's not, I wouldn't play. Well, it's such a conundrum, right? Because as an advisor, as someone who understands that he is just getting started, of course you want to take the long view. As a competitor, part of what makes him great as an yeah. athlete, we know where he wants to be tonight. Uh, so we'll see. Let's take a look at today's more driven player presented by Goodyear. And it's been Trey Sermon driving the Ohio State running game recently. Over the past three games, he's averaging 212 yards per game on the ground, including a school record 331 in the Big Ten Championship just last month. Over that span, he's averaging over nine yards per carry, which Brings me to this question, Jesse. How will the running backs factor into this game tonight? Huge impact. We're talking a lot about Mac Jones and Justin Fields, and we should, obviously, but there are two yeah. studs toting the rock. Najee Harris at 6'2", 230 pounds, is an absolute freak of nature. Who's complete? Who can do it all, right? He can run between the tackles. He can run outside. We've seen him leap over guys that are six feet tall standing up. He catches the ball well. You can line him up at wide receiver. And you know Steve Sarkeesian is going to have a few new wrinkles that Ohio State hasn't seen yet for Najee Harris. But when you talk about Trey Sermon in those last three games, they have been fantastic. He's getting more comfortable on that knee. His confidence has gone up. He's in a rhythm. He's the feature back in this offense. And now this offense is very, very balanced along with Justin Fields. I would argue, actually, that Trey Sermon probably has, Mark, a little bit more pressure on him considering Justin Fields not 100%. So the running game where normally a lot of it could come from Justin Fields on zone reads and scrambles, tonight it's really going to have to come from number eight taking handoffs. No doubt. I think Justin Fields is going to be more of a decoy. I don't see him keeping a lot of those zone reads. Uh, and most importantly, it's the zone running game. That's who Ohio State is. That's what Ryan Day is as a play caller. So their whole idea, they got to circle the defense and kind of outrun them and let them round second base and take off like we've seen or let everybody overcommit, let those fast, you know, front, front seven from Alabama overcommit and then cut those guys backside distort their read on defense and cut that defense and let him hit the backdoor cutting lanes. But he's been so productive, 70 carries. You know, he's got 636 yards these last three games and four touchdowns, and he's got home run ability. So as soon as they're undisciplined in their gap responsibilities at Alabama, it's, it's an issue. He can take it the distance. And a lot's been made about Justin Fields and his ribs, but it's really all about the run game and the way they get to it, not necessarily on stretch zone, they still hit that a lot, but it's the zone read. That's what's so remarkable about watching this Ohio State offense. Let's take a look at it. The zone read's a beast, and will Alabama still continue to respect the zone read, knowing Fields might not be at 100%, but here it is right here. Obviously, the Northwestern defender very concerned about Justin Fields' legs. He stays wide, but look at the cutback lane right in behind him, and he's out the gate hitting the head on the goalpost. Same situation here, just going the other direction with pressure off the edge. Fields sees that that defender's wide, and therefore, he's going to stay with him. He's responsible for the quarterback, but guess what? That opens up a massive rush lane behind 
where he was coming from. So I think the zone read game and how much respect Alabama pays to Justin Field potentially pulling that zone read is the cat and mouse element that we'll have to watch early in this game, Joey. Yeah, this defense has been, I mean, this this team has been completely different since they've been able to run the football. I think you go into games, and when you can run the ball at a team that knows you're going to run the ball, it gives the entire game a different feel because now you're physically beating down the other team. You know this offensive line is different now. They have a lot more confidence knowing that Trey Sermon is behind him and he can go the distance every single time he gets a ball in his hands. And you can see they are really starting to move defensive lines around. Terrific game against Clemson. You can see the whole side is going to be washed down. When you have confidence that your running back is going to get to that opening no matter where it is, and that's what Trey Sermon is doing right now, it makes you offensive line, it makes you have a lot more confidence, makes you go harder. And once again, look at the blocking scheme. Tight end come around, pick up the defensive end, and then they just wash them all down. Trey Sermon has been able to get to the second level before he's had to deal with any defender. And you give the offensive line credit for that. And when you let a running back like Trey Sermon get to the second level, not having to make a cut before he breaks the line of scrimmage, that's when these guys are outstanding. Because now they're full speed. And on that second level and that third level, it's a safety. It's a corner smaller than you. You put a stiff arm on them. Trey Sermon has changed this offense and really given this offense a one-two punch. Now it's not just what Justin Fields can bring to the field and, and what Alave outside and, and Garrett Wilson outside. It is you have to get up in the box and stop this run game first or they'll just mash you. That balance has been critical. Get ready to block, fellas. Mm. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. get, get in the trenches. It's, it's going to be a, a big one tonight as we take a look at our Dr. Pepper one t- final team vote brought to you by Dr. Pepper. We've been asking you all season long what you think or who you think I should say the final team standing will be and now just hours to go until the final game of the season. Alabama, the one you expect to be the one final team, but it's close, winning 58% of the vote. Breaking news this afternoon out of the NFL world. Uh, We can confirm this just in a little bit ago. ESPN says Eagles coach Doug Peterson has been relieved of his duties, no longer the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. There was some speculation brewing over the weekend. Uh, Just two years removed from Philadelphia's Super Bowl win. But again, uh, the two deciding to part ways. Doug Peterson out as the head coach in Philadelphia. Speaking of NFL head coaches, former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer assembling a coaching staff perhaps after meeting with the Jaguars Friday night about their head coaching vacancy. The exercise said to be in case Meyer ends up in Jacksonville and there's some speculation a decision could come as early as this week. As we take a look at Meyer's resume, 17 and 6 in two seasons in Bowling Green, 22 and 2 in two seasons at Utah, and that helped him land the Florida gig. That there as you remember, he won titles in 06 and 08, and in 2012 he took over at Ohio State and helped build the Buckeyes into this powerhouse, including the inaugural college football championship. Ahead on College Football Live from Miami, ready or not, here they come. The time has come for game plans and preparation to be over. Now it's about execution. We'll go players only when we come back. Welcome back to College Football Live, built by the Home Depot.
An absolutely perfect day for a national championship game. And as the college football season's winding down, college basketball off and running, we've got a great Big 12 SEC Tuesday college basketball doubleheader on ESPN and the app. How about number eight, Wisconsin taking on number 10, undefeated Michigan at 7 Eastern. Then we're heading over to Rupp Arena for a battle between the two top teams in the SEC. That's right, Kentucky mm. hosting Alabama, who've won five straight, by the way. Wildcats are 4-6 and six on the season. However, they are 3-0 and oh in SEC play. All right, Bama, as we know, guys, a big favorite in this game. Eight and a half points, I think, as we come into today. Bama's been, yeah, number one wire to wire. They've been a dominant team, a complete team. We've got a little players-only discussion right now for you at home as we talk about and answer the most important question, Bama wins if. And, Galloway, I want to start with you. As you look at this game on both sides of the ball, what did the Tide have to do to win this game? Trey Sermon has been so important to this Ohio State offense in the past two games, Big Ten Championship game and, and, and the semi against Clemson. They've been able to be, like, multidimensional. And they put the yep. defenses in a situation where you have to try to decide whether you want to take away the run or the pass. So if they can take away the run and make Ohio State have to pass to beat them, that's playing into Alabama's hands. So it starts with stopping the run for Alabama. All right, Greg, what does Bama have to do? They have to protect the football, first and foremost. They can't give away free possessions. They can't give away the short field. And they also need to continue to be who they are offensively. This is a big play offense that wants to push the ball down the field. I know Ohio State is going to play a lot of cover three. I know they're going to try to keep the ball in front of them, but they have to hold the defense accountable when those big plays are there to be made downfield. And Mac Jones has done that time and time again, not just with Devontae Smith, but with the other talented receivers that he has as well, including Jaleel Billingsley, who's really coming on yeah. at tight end, Dave. Yeah, just the next freak up. Um, when, when you look at them, I think it's defensively. You just you got to get a few stops. Yeah. That's it. Like, not 20. Just a few, a, a few throughout the game, and um, give your offense kind of like tennis. Hold serve a couple times, you're good. You're good to go because your offense is going to score. So I think you know, getting a few stops, maybe forcing a turnover or two, and then you get the ball back to your offense, and you can make them press a little bit more. But this isn't an Alabama thing where I'm thinking about defense has to be dominant like they used to be when Greg McElroy played. <laughs> Hold serve a few times. The offense could have been dominant, for the record, just, uh, just, just so you know. We yeah, just yeah. weren't allowed no, to not, be. You didn't need to. You didn't need to. You get me? All right. Speaking of underdogs, all right, Ohio State, a heavy underdog right now. Jesse said eight and a half. It's actually nine. Woo! It's now, in the history of the college football playoff, teams that are at least seven-point underdogs have a record of just two and seven. But the Buckeyes own both of those two wins, one coming against Alabama in the semifinal in 2014, and then, of course, against Clemson just last week. Ohio State wins, Jesse, if. Their secondary has got to play better. They have been average at best this year. They're not great in coverage. They're not great tackling. This is easily the best receiving core they've seen this season. They're not going to stop Devontae Smith, but you have to limit them. you got to tackle the catch in zone coverage. And, Joey, they got to tackle a lot better. Yeah, Greg, I'm going opposite of what you said about Alabama wins. If they take care of the football, <laughs> Ohio State has to take away the football. They have to find a way to get a couple extra possessions in this game. Only way you can slow down this Alabama offense. I don't know how else you can do it besides take the ball away. Well, daggum. I mean, we, we already established that the linebackers and secondary sucks. That's what Jesse said. So, I guess we'll go to the defensive line. <laughs> defensive line has to be physical. has to match inside. I think defensive tackle spot is critical. They have to dominate inside. I think that's the weakness of Alabama's offensive line. And they've got to exploit it and make Mac Jones move.
All right. Nobody well, else is good, apparently, Jesse. <laughs> Greg's not going to comment in on Ohio. Right, we've got a lot more to talk about regarding this national championship matchup tonight. Two good quarterbacks. Got a lot of offensive skill players. A lot of spice, you might say, here in Miami as we take a look back at what has been the 2020 college football season without, without question, a season unlike any other. Today, a massive pregame for the national championship. How Justin Fields willed the Buckeyes to win. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to, to help this team out, and that, that, that's what I did. Devontae and Dez, two Heisman winners, go one-on-one, -on -one, and Najee's hurdle made more than a new fan. You actually hurdled a whole human. It all starts 1.30 Eastern, leading up to the college football playoff national championship. Reese, thank you. Aerial coverage, by the way, provided by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. All right, fellas, it's come to that time, at least with the two of you, Mark and David. Uh, we do it every week, so we're going to get some final thoughts, and then we'll pick it. But we're going to let Mark's Mark on go the West first. go. Yeah, we're going to let him go first. He needs some syrup with his waffle <laughs> a lot of times. He's so back and forth, back oh, and forth. Oh, with the waffle. Oh, I, mean, I see what you did there. Yeah. Don't waffle, Mark, but what do you got? Give me some final no. thoughts on this <clears> game tonight. No waffling. The most important thing tonight for Alabama to win, I think Alabama wins by a narrow margin. I don't think they cover the spread. But the most important thing for Mac Jones, he's going to face a lot of three-deep zone. He's got to be patient when he sees three-deep zone and be okay checking the ball down. But when he gets his man-to-man, -man, that's going to look very similar to three-deep zone. They're going to match a lot of those crossers underneath. When he gets those opportunities, he has to strike and he has to be accurate like he has been all year. I think Alabama wins a nail-biter. Nice. You know what? Not only was that not a waffle, it was specific. Yep. It was to the point. Well done. Only because we said that. No, Otherwise, I don't know. I, I'm, a serious I, I'm a believer. What about well, you? You don't waffle on anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Not my style. But I think Alabama wins, too. You, you know, he, Mark just said mix it up, play zone, play man. Um, I think that's tough for Ohio State's secondary. I think it's tough for their defense. I don't think they're as talented as Alabama. And, and this Alabama offense just – I haven't seen it stopped at all. I haven't seen it slowed. So, I think it's a high scoring fun affair I mean 40 something to 40 something but I will take the higher 40 something being Alabama 40 something to 40 look I like it all the way around you know what yeah. I really like we're playing this game we are here it's happening and we'll have a national champion tonight Mark David thank you both thank you thank you uh, we're not done though a number of our folks have yet to weigh in we've got more game fix coming here from Hard Rock Stadium live in Miami as we make our way towards championship game tonight and you do not want to miss our complete retrospective of the most unusual and unpredictable season in college football history. If that's not an understatement, I don't know what is. And the College Football Playoff Foundation, the largest sports entity supporting education in America this year, college football went big to show support for educators recognizing the dedication to their students. And ESPN is proud to continue to support the CFP Foundation and the thousands of teachers who have gone the extra mile. On behalf of us, we say a big thank you to all of our teachers. This is College Football Live, built by the Home Depot.
Aerial coverage provided by Goodyear to reach the end zone. All you need is drive. Goodyear, more driven. The national championship game presented by AT&T. It's Alabama and Ohio State Monday. That's tonight at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. We'll have you covered from every platform on TV, radio, and digital. Here now, though, a look back at the most unexpected of college football seasons. Breaking developments involving the coronavirus. Enormous news that rocks college football. The coronavirus pandemic. The number of cases growing. Can you even have a college football season? Everybody acts like we want to play for the money. This is about the players. Whoa. Uh. Pray to God that he make me a better man. Maybe one day I'ma stand for something. I'm thanking God that he made you part of the plan. I guess I ain't go through all that hell for nothing. The goal is to win it. Welcome back, college football. Welcome back. Well, well, well. The season is underway. And you wanted college football. Stop. I was looking up, but nobody was really out there. A consistent opponent is going to be COVID. Saturday's game postponed. Nick Saban. Trevor Lawrence. Positive for COVID-19. The most unusual year ever. Let's get back to football. I want to go to the locker Three, room. Two, for the lead. The Irish have not done. Clemson. Lumberjacks win. Intercepted. A Red River showdown for the ages. Florida is upset in the swamp. The Mormons versus the Mullets. Wrestle down on the two. Coastal wins it. Big spike. Shades of Dan Marino. And they're saying he is in. Indiana holds this up. How about these fighting Reese Davises right here? yet and a huge thank you to everybody who made college football possible we've got more game picks from hard rock stadium when we come back
College Game Day, built by the Home Depot, is brought to you by Taco Bell's Nacho Fries. College Football Live is built by the Home Depot. How doers get more done. This is something, you know, we've been waiting for for a long time. Seeing my brothers to my left and to my right, I'm thinking about going to war. It's an unbelievable opportunity, playing on the biggest stage in college football. It's a championship game, so you might as well just lock in and focus on what you have to focus on. We have to come with our best every play, every down, every second of the game, from the first snap to the last. We're excited for the game, and we just can't wait to put on the show. It'll be a surreal moment. At the same time, we'll be focused and ready to go. It all comes down to this, and what a show it should be. Alabama takes on Ohio State tonight at 8 Eastern in the national championship game presented by AT&T. And for the eighth straight year, we're blowing out our broadcast coverage on every platform, TV, radio, and digital. So many ways to watch and to listen to what is clearly the biggest game on the college football calendar. But the time has come. We've said a, we, you've said a lot, but that, that, that's all right. Nothing, nothing unusual about yes, that. Yes, yes it's he has. Things don't uh, change. No, we are the same. Uh, Jesse, uh, some final thoughts. We'll go down the line and then we'll yeah, pick this game. I'm really curious to see Ohio State's mindset in this game. They are a very, very dangerous team when they're the underdog and they feel disrespected. You saw that against Clemson. Dabble ranked them 11th in, in, his, in his poll. People said they can't play six games and get into the playoff. They wanted revenge based on what happened the year before. They went out and they made a statement against Clemson, scoring 49. Bama's a nine-point favorite tonight. Everybody's saying they're a more complete team. Ryan Day is as good as anyone at taking that negative uh, noise and getting his team focused and angry and ready to go. He always he told us on Selection Sunday, if there's one game to play, I like the Buckeyes because they have talent and they play angry, Joey. So Bama needs to be careful. Yeah, and I want to see how it starts. Just from the very beginning, uh, what Ohio State's going to do to try to take away or slow down this Alabama offense. Uh, everyone knows that they want to stay within themselves and stay in their game plan offensively. I think the only way to do that is to slow down the other offense because if the other offense is scoring every time they touch the ball, then offensively you feel like you have to keep up, and that's how you get out of your game plan. I just want to see what they do early. Yeah, it's all about the trenches. We, we've talked forever, I feel like, at least the last 10 days, about the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and this Fields ribs going to be okay. And Devontae's the Heisman Trophy winner. Him against Sean Wade. Y'all, championships are won at the line of scrimmage. They always have been. They always will be. We know that Bama, along the offensive and defensive line, has excellent personnel. The offensive line, more specifically, has been maybe the best in college football. We know Ohio State is ascending to the point where they're right there as well. That offensive line's playing their best football right now. And the defensive line, when they're at full speed, when they're at full strength, which is a huge question mark given some of the speculation that's out there about COVID positive players. If they are at 100%, that's a difficult matchup for Alabama. So I think that's where the game's going to be decided. After all the talk and all the discussion about the playmakers, it's going to come down to who can block and who can tackle at the line of scrimmage. I totally agree. Block 
baby block. All right, Jesse, uh, there's two teams left. One will stand after tonight. Who you got? I think it's going to be Alabama. I just think they're, they're just going to outscore Ohio State. No one's been able to stop this offense. I think they're too explosive. They're too versatile. They can score in too many ways. Of course, Ohio State, we've talked about the struggles they've had in the secondary. And I just think Justin Fields not being 100%, I think, helps Bama's defense get that critical one extra stop, which I think in a game like this could be all the difference. Yeah, and I think if anybody's been following us all year long, they know we're only about 50% good and we're picking winners and losers. So, <laughs> so don't take too yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think that Ohio State changed the narrative of this game the way they played in the semifinal against Clemson. Uh, I, I think they narrowed that gap that everybody thought uh, was there between Alabama and the rest of the country. And they, narrowed, they changed the narrative inside their own locker room. Now they know that they are that team that can go out and dominate a football game uh, by running the ball and passing the ball. We've seen their best game in the semi. I think you're going to build on that, play better in this game than they did the last one. I'm going with Ohio State in a high-scoring game. All right, Ohio State in a high-scoring affair. David high. Pollock said 40-something yes. versus 40-something. I know you're not picking this game because you're calling this on, on ESPN Radio with Sean McDonough. We look forward to that. Let me ask you this. He was going to pick Ohio State, by the way. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I can tell you what I'm rooting for. Yeah, yeah, we, we know that. We don't even have to ask. We talked him up Ohio State. Listen, I want to bring this full circle because we started the show uh, talking about that. Did you think Did you think we would get here? I mean, did you think we would sit here physically tonight and have a game that will decide a national championship? I wasn't sure. And I'll say this, these 18 to 22 year olds deserve a lot of credit because it's sure been do. a long yeah. season. And while it's been physically taxing, I think what they've had to go through emotionally and mentally to get to this point is very, very impressive. Coaching staffs, medical staffs, families deserve a lot of credit and helmet stickers for helping us get to this point. Tonight. I thought we would get uh, somewhere close. I didn't know yeah. that we would have everybody involved. Yeah. I am so glad that everyone got involved, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, uh, the Mac, all these schools got a chance to play football. Not the same, not the same amount of games, but they did did participate, and that was what makes me happy. No, we've had a college football season, right. you yes. know, and those who love college football, and for these athletes who've worked in this and look forward to this, and I will also say this, I understand, look, there are no moral victories. Neither of these two teams yeah. wants to walk away without a win tonight, but if ever there was a year when it says something to get to this yeah. point, I think you have to agree this is the year. A big thank you to all of those who made that possible. Uh, a huge night here from Miami. No place we'd rather be. Reese Davis and our friends take over. Championship drive starts right now as we count down to the national championship game presented by AT&T coming to you live tonight from Miami. Reese, take it away.